Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you in this morning. Today, uh, we are beginning uh, a new series. Uh, we're going to spend seven weeks working through the book of Habakkuk. And uh, over the last few months, one of the things that I, I've just really started to realize is how much I love working through books of the Bible. I think every series I say the same thing. But I want you to understand that, that when we jump around to topical things, it's not, it's not wrong. It's just not what I prefer. I prefer us to work through a book together to see, hey, this, this has relevance to our lives. And for us to actually understand the entirety of a text as opposed to pieces of it. And so uh, as we look through the next seven weeks, the book of Habakkuk, here is my charge to you. Uh, tomorrow is my birthday. And, and so you may ask, Ben, what do you want? I want you to bring your Bible. I want you to bring your Bible to church, not just next Sunday in celebration, but every Sunday after that. Because what I realize is, as we go through books of the Bible, this is not just for the here and now. It's not just for this hour that we, we do this thing we call church. This is to equip us to go and do the work of ministry, which means, dads, I would love nothing more than for you to be taking notes in your Bible, to go back and lead your families in Bible studies. Moms, I would love nothing more than for you to work through the Bible to help you to understand, hey, how do I, how do I love my kids? How do I serve my family? How do I partner with my husband in leading our families? And I don't know what your family dynamics look like, but what I do know is this. We need the Word. So every man, every woman, every student, every child, what, what would it look like if we were in this place and, and I was preaching the word and you were taking notes in that and you were working through that to be able to go and lead your families well. So you asked Ben, what do you want for your birthday? I, I want a church that, that lives by the word. So let's start by bringing it. If you don't already have it, bring it next week. If you don't have a Bible, as you walk out into the lobby, we have a welcome center desk. We've got Bibles that we would love to just give you. Uh, no, nothing in return, nothing from you. We just want this for you. We believe that this has tremendous power to do a couple things. One, it helps us make sense of who God is. It helps us make sense as much as we can of, of who his son is, and, and then by extension, who we are. And I want you to understand those things, and it it helps us make sense of a decaying world around us. I want you to be able to, to turn on the news and filter what you see through the word, and it's going to help you make sense. You're, you're going to see this is what's going on. Because this is the same thing that as we look at the book of Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk is wrestling with. He's wrestling with this, this idea of God, you, you've told me you're, you're one way. You've told me this is the truth about who you are. And yet, as I look at the world around me, I'm having trouble reconciling these two things. And so what I think it does for us is it helps us answer this question. How do we reconcile what we see in the world and what we know about God? And how do we reconcile when these two things seem like they are polar opposites? And so what do I do? When what I know about God and what I see in the world seems to be in conflict with each other, and as we look at the world around us today, you're going to see not much has changed. You, you hear this, 
that, that God is good, especially when you come in here, you hear that God is, is good, that he is holy, that he is righteous, and you look out in the world and you may ask the question, where are you? Because what I see on the news doesn't seem to reconcile with what I hear in church that God is good. And what do I do when these two things seem like they're at odds? So as you turn to Habakkuk, we're going to work through uh, the first five verses. I want to encourage you with this. Um, Grab a Habakkuk workbook before you leave, if you haven't already. Um, Alex has done a tremendous job of putting this together, and it just helps you day by day as you work through this text. Know, hey, what do I need to pray for? What are the questions I need to answer? What are the things I need to look for in the text? And so I hope that you'll grab one of these and work through that, not just with yourself, but with your family as well. So let's jump in to Habakkuk 1, beginning in verse 1 says, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Again, we talked last week that there are certain verses that on the surface seem like they don't really mean anything to us. They seem like they're just skip over, throwaway verses. And, and this is one of those that if you're not careful, you're going to see, well, what, is, what does this actually mean? This has no relevance. Let's get to the meat of it. And, and what I want to caution you with is that when the writer says the prophecy, uh, what he's speaking of, and, and maybe another term is an oracle, And what you're seeing in this is normally a message from God to a man, to a people. That's the way prophecy generally works. It's God warning a prophet to warn his people, this is what's going to happen if you don't shape up. Or or these are the things that God is going to do in the midst of you. And it's a, a message that is relayed from God to a man, to a people. But Habakkuk is different. Because what you're not seeing is this message from God to Habakkuk, to his people. What you're going to witness in the book of Habakkuk that kind of sets it apart is this is a back and forth conversation between Habakkuk and God. Very different than most of the prophets that you're going to read. And so let me give you a little bit of context that helps make sense of the conversation that you're going to read. So at this point in time in Israel's history, Israel is split into two kingdoms. So you've got Israel to the north, and you've got the kingdom of Judah to the south. And what you're going to see is, as it relates to Habakkuk is that this takes place somewhere around the 7th century B.C. So it's kind of backwards to the way that we do dates now, but you're looking at around 630 B.C. to 605 B.C., somewhere in that time frame. And scholars suggest that Habakkuk's ministry takes place during this transition period in the life of Israel, in the life of Judah. It takes place in this transition period between King Josiah and King Jehoiakim. Now here's what's interesting, and it's it's just like God to do this. So a year ago, almost to the day, It was my last interim sermon here at Redbrush before on August 7th, we kind of came in an official capacity here. And on July 31st of 2022, I preached out of 2 Chronicles 34. And 2 Chronicles 34 recounts the story of King Josiah. Uh, King Josiah was the one who, who looked around the kingdom and sees that, gosh, idolatry and wickedness and evil is everywhere. And he takes it upon himself to personally make sure that all of the idols, all of the wickedness, all of those things that are dedicated to false gods were destroyed and that they came back to knowledge of who God is and the people that he called them to be. 
And so now what you're witnessing is this transition period, because it doesn't last very long, between King Josiah, who was a righteous king, and King Jehoiakim, who was an evil king, who really reversed everything that King Josiah has done up to this point. Now he's introduced these false idols, these false gods, this evil practice of worship back into the kingdom. And you're starting to see that life is beginning to become harder and harder for the people at this time. And so as you know this, it starts to make sense of the conversation that Habakkuk and God are going to have here in just a moment. Because the question that Habakkuk is wrestling with, seeing what God had done through King Josiah, now what, what seems to be happening through King Jehoiakim is, is God good? It, 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 with all of this turmoil, with all of this evil that is around, is God actually good? And what God is going to do is try to, try to get Habakkuk's focus back to where it needs to be. One of the things in, in movies that often goes overlooked are these little roles that really have a, an utmost importance in the telling of the story. And one of those roles that takes place on a, a set for TV or movies is this position called a focus puller. And the focus puller's job is, is really to work in, in very, very precise measurements. And the reason why is so that the viewer can keep the main character in focus. It's really hard to tell the story of someone if that character is, is blurry and out of focus. And so the focus puller's job is to make sure that he, he makes these minor corrections to continually keep the main character in focus. And it has a large effect on the telling of that story. And so in a way, this is actually what God is trying to do to Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, you have lost your focus in the midst of all of this. And let me, let me dial this back in for you to see that there's actually something bigger at play. And so we start the conversation between these two. Habakkuk says, how long, Lord? How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen or cry out to you violence, but you don't save? Habakkuk gets right to the point. A direct guy. I, I like that. I, I don't want to have any questions about what you're trying to say. Habakkuk gets right to the point. And he asks this question, how long? Because as I look around me, all I see is evil, and yet I keep hearing, and I, I believe that you are good, but I'm, I'm not seeing that play out in the world around me. So God, how long do I need to ask, how long do I need to plead for you to save your people from all of this? And here's what's interesting, that as Habakkuk begins to question God, and that's exactly what he's doing, he's saying, I, th I thought this is who you were. He uses a name for God that has a lot of significance in this back and forth. He uses the name, we see it as Lord, but the, the word that he uses is Yahweh. And, and that word was meant to be signifying that God is a covenant-keeping God. And so you're starting to see this, this disconnect or, or this, this thing that feels like it's polar opposites. You are a covenant-keeping God. You're going to protect. You're going to save your people. And yet... I look at the world around me and it doesn't seem like this is what you're doing. And so in the middle of all of this turmoil and all this sin and all this violence, Habakkuk is, is trying to remind yourself, himself, 
God is a covenant-keeping God. So he's asking the Lord, why, why is what I see seemingly different than what I know? Why is what I see in the culture and the society around me different than what I believe who you are? Where's the disconnect? And spoiler alert is this. God's going to give Habakkuk an answer. But as we work through this book, you're going to hear God's answer to Habakkuk. And it's kind of a good news, bad news scenario. Because as God answers Habakkuk, and we'll get to that next week. As he answers Habakkuk, he says, the good news is this, I'm working. That even when it seems like I'm not, I'm, I'm doing something. And yet the bad news is, is I don't often work in the same manner or time frame that you think I should. Man, this is us. We are an instant gratification culture. God, I want you to hear my requests, and if you could answer that in the next five minutes, that would be wonderful. Less would be better, right? We want it now. God, take me out of this situation, and, and if, if you're good, then I believe it's going to happen now. And what we see from this is the people of God can trust that God is always working but it's not often in the manner or the time frame that you or I expect it to be worked out in. So here's the encouragement for us. It's not hard already, what, what little we've seen of the book of Habakkuk, to draw parallels between the culture that Habakkuk lives in and the culture that you and I find ourselves in today. <laughs> really easy. It, it seems like violence is everywhere. It seems like maybe God has, has withdrew his hand from us a little bit. And the people of God may be asking the question, how long are you going to let this go on? How long do we have to cry out to you and yet you don't, you don't intervene? And that's not the end of Habakkuk's complaints. We're going to jump into verse 3 and we see that, that he's going to continue on this laundry list of complaints and questions of God. He says in verse 3, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. God, everywhere I look, evil seems to be winning. Listen, this is us. Like, look at our culture. And tell me, tell me with a straight face that you don't have these same thoughts. God, it, it seems like evil is winning. It, it seems like this injustice, this, this wrongdoing, this violence, it seems like it just continues to grow. When are you going to step in? Are you even good? Now, the question that we have to ask is, is Habakkuk wrong for questioning God? Is, is he wrong for laying out his, his concerns, his requests, what he sees to God? In our culture, I think many of us believe, Habakkuk, how dare you ask that? 
how, how dare you be open and honest with God and, and register some complaints with Him? And the reality is many of us could stand to be a lot more honest with Him. He's big enough to handle your questions. He's big enough to handle your complaints. But you've got to trust that what he's doing is right. That what he's doing is good, even if it doesn't seem that way in the moment. And it's why that as I read this, there is a, there's this honesty that is refreshing in Habakkuk. He's not trying to paint this rosy picture that, that would do well in our setting. No, he's, he's saying, this is what you said you're going to do. This is who you said you are. And yet as I look around me, God, it doesn't seem like you are or you're doing what you said you're going to do. So, so, so what do we do? Church, there is, there is a freedom in us that has been given by God himself to ask him questions, to be honest, to be open with him. You don't have to hide that. He's big enough to handle your questions. He's big enough to handle your complaints. But be prepared because the answer may not be what you're looking for. And so Habakkuk says, why, why, do you, why are you making me look at all of these things? That If you're good, why do I see evil continuing to rise and it seems like it just grows and expands? Where are you? He says in verse 4, Therefore the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that, the, so that justice is perverted. And, and here's what you need to know that, that Habakkuk is trying to say here. God has given Israel his law. And he's given them his law to, to set them apart, to keep them from evil, to live in righteousness. He's, he's given them this law in a way to say that as you live according to my directive, what you're communicating to the rest of the world is that you are my people and that I am God over all. And so he's chosen Israel to live according to this way of life to show that he alone is righteous, that he alone is God. And what you see from verse 4 is that even the law that you've given us to set us apart, to, to, to keep us as a holy people, although they were incapable of keeping it perfectly, this law has been effectively neutralized because of the wickedness around. Even those who are called to uphold the law of God Wickedness has infected them as well. And so when, when justice according to the law is enacted, it's, it's always half-hearted. Because evil men are en enacting this justice. So even the perfect law that you've given us, we've screwed it up. Because we are a wicked, evil people. So when justice is attempted to be delivered, God, as, as I look around... People are getting in the way of it. So when are you going to step in? The law that was meant to keep us from, from evil has now actually become an instrument of evil. So what are you going to do? How are you going to stand for us? How will you act? You know, I hear... I hear a lot of pastors, and I really don't mean this negatively. 
I hear a lot of pastors and, and leaders within the church asking God, bring us revival. God, we want revival. Now, here's the thing. That's not wrong. Absolutely, that's what we want. But the reality of what we're going to see in the rest of Habakkuk in the coming weeks is that revival doesn't always look like what we desire. We desire revival without any judgment, without any pain, without anything that brings us outside of our need of ourselves and into our growing need for God. That what I really just want is, is for you to, to move in an emotional way that draws me to you without any of the pain. God, bring us that kind of revival. And in a sense, this is what Habakkuk is, is asking. God, w- will you act? Will you change the hearts of the people around us? Will you bring us back into a right relationship with you? And the answer This is a spoiler alert. The answer is going to be yes, but not in the way you may want it. Not in the way maybe you would drum up in your mind. Because what God is going to do is is not just in the moment change the hearts of men, although could he? Absolutely. I think many of us are probably recipients of that. You've, You've seen God change your heart. But for others of us, this surrendering to God came in the most dire of circumstances. When you had nothing left in and of yourself, that's when God used the pain to draw you to himself. I I see it all the time. And so what God is going to do in the life of Habakkuk and in the life of Judah probably doesn't look like the revival that Habakkuk would choose for himself. So listen, this is just a a teaser of God's response to Habakkuk. In light of all of these complaints, in light of Habakkuk saying, it seems like like justice is gone. It seems like good has been defeated, evil triumphs. God says this in verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. The point of that is this. Habakkuk, you've lodged your complaints. You've said it's, it seems like I've taken my hand off of Israel. That, I, that I'm just allowing evil to triumph. But here's what you need to understand. I am doing something that you yourself couldn't conjure up. I'm doing something so unexpected, so powerful, that that you wouldn't believe it if I told you. And we're going to get to what that is beginning next week. But the point of all of that is this. Habakkuk, although this is what it seems like, you got to trust in me. You've you got to walk by faith in this and, and believe that when I say I'm good, and when I say that you are my people, when I say that I'm going to save you, you need to trust that regardless of what it looks like. It's why he'll say later, the righteous, they walk by faith. So here's the question that I would pose to you. What do you do what do you believe 
when it looks like God is no longer good. When it looks like everything around you is evil all the time. Do you buy into the lie that somehow God has, has lost control over this place? Do you buy into the lie that maybe, maybe he's not as good as what I thought he is? Or do you believe the word of God over feelings? Do you believe that when God says, I am good, I am holy, I am righteous, I am just, I will save my people. Do you believe that over a world that seems like evil is overrunning things? Because at some point, one of these two things has to give. At some point, evil is either going to completely triumph or God is going to completely triumph. There's really no middle ground, and I think you see this coming. At some point, one side has to win. And so what God gives Habakkuk in this moment is the answer. Look at the nations and watch. Be amazed at what I am about to do. It may not look like what you want. It may not be what you pray for. But here's what you can trust, Habakkuk. I am working it out for your good and my glory. He will win. So, what I think you'll find is that this is kind of a precursor to, as we celebrated communion, a, a precursor to what was to come in God's grand scheme. Because it's interesting that Paul actually uses verse 5 of Habakkuk 1 as he's standing before people, teaching them about the gospel. Here's what he says. This is in Acts 13, beginning in verse 38. He says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So take care of what the prophets have said does not happen to you. He says, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if I told you. What is, what is Paul trying to communicate here? He's, he's saying, that God has sent his son, Jesus, who was put to death by evil men with evil intents. And that when all looked lost, as they sought to squash this uprising of the way of Jesus, this lunatic who claimed to be the Messiah, as they, they sought to enact their plan, what they forgot about was that God was the one who was in control and not them. And so what was meant for evil God has used to bring about the salvation of us. God takes their evil intents as an instrument of his judgment and wrath poured out on his son so that all who believe in him will escape his wrath. So, so the point of this is for you to look back and see that, that even the cross is an example of God being in total control 
He didn't give up anything on the cross. He didn't give up control. In fact, it's all going according to plan. So Paul says, these evil men who sought to just just squash this minor uprising and put it to death, what they actually did was play right into the hands of a God who is fully in control. And what was meant for evil, God has now brought about your salvation. So what is hanging over this text is, is God good and is he in control? And the answer in Habakkuk is unequivocally yes. And you and I look no further than the cross to see that this is true. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it communicates that God in a world that seems to be going more and more insane as we speak. God, you have not given up an ounce of control. That you stand alone as the God of the universe. You are the one who has laid out your plan. So Father, as as life clouds our view, as the things of this world seem to bring up the questions, God, are you, are you good? Are you involved? Do you care? May we look to your word to see that the answer is unequivocally yes. So Father, help us to be a people who live not by sight, but by faith. A trust that you are good because you say you're good. A trust that says you are in control because you say you're in control. Regardless of how it feels, regardless of how it looks, may we trust that you are in control and good will triumph. Father, we have a foreshadowing of that on the cross, so we praise you for sending your son, for using an evil plan by evil men for your glory to bring about our salvation, Father, may that, God, may that cause us to to fall deeper and deeper in trust of you. Lord, may we sing your praises in this place because we know you are in control no matter what it feels like. Father, help us to continually dive into your word and to continue to follow you closer. Lord, it's in your name that we pray these things.